Looking for the latest as Georgia makes the drive towards a national championship? You can find it all at Dogs HQ, a part of the On3.com network. We've got you covered on all things, whether it's recruiting, what's happening on the field, or what Kirby Smart has to say. And yes, we got you covered when it comes to basketball as well as the baseball diamond. We've got all your information. Get over and check us out today. Check out the Black Friday special, and we look forward to seeing you. Go dogs. Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos. And with me, as always, the illustrious beat writer over at Dogs HQ. That's our man, Palmer Toms. PT, what's good with you, brother? Doing well, doing well. I had someone point out to me the, the other day that you uh, have a pretty, pretty constant intro there. Uh, so I was I was thinking it in my head as you were saying it. Uh, so that's that's got me smiling here. But Coming off of a big Georgia win, 56-7 to over Charleston Southern. I think that's probably what we expected to see out of the Bulldogs. Uh, but it was a great senior day celebration. Kirby Smart said after the game that it was one of, those, one of the most special ones he's been a part of. I, I think, you know, having seen uh, three of those in my time at UGA uh, and covering this team, I, I can agree with that. I think that uh, there's certainly a, something special about this senior class something special about the way that these guys have bought in and, and something special about the way that they, uh, that the fan base has bought into them as, as players and as people uh, over their four years. I, you know, I asked Kirby after the game, um, asked him what it is he thinks that it is so special about this senior class that makes all these fans want to celebrate them in the way that they did. And he just said, it's the hardship that they've been through that the COVID uh, season that, that they've been through a lot of tough times, but that they've also, uh, you know, brought a lot of great times to Georgia football and, and, and for, you know, UGA fans sake, they're hoping that they bring a lot more. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, some really cool moments yesterday, uh, no question. I, I thought the best moment was Jordan Davis getting the honorary red coat and, uh, you know, getting the plaque, getting to conduct the band. Uh, just a just a really neat moment, man. And, you know, it had me thinking, like, I mean, Jordan Davis is got to be up there in terms of most beloved Bulldogs of all time. I mean, that guy is going to uh, – I mean, he, he's never going to have to buy dinner in Athens again, I promise you that. Um, but – Yeah, I mean um, – you know, I was having that conversation with somebody, somebody in the press box afterwards. Like, who is the last one that maybe even compares to him? The the most likable guy in, in, from these from this. And there's been some likable guys. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think that I there mean, are a lot of everybody people loved everybody loved Chubb. Everybody loved Nick Chubb with a with a great deal of fervor. But Nick was never. Nick was never the personality that Jordan Davis is. He I think was, what people liked about Chubb was that he overcame the ACL and, and came back and, and was a leader and, and, you know, had similar production. Yeah. You know, Fromm kind of strikes me as a guy, even though that, you know, the, the opinions are probably a little varied on Fromm. I don't think anybody has anything but a high opinion of, of Jordan Davis. You know, there's some, some Georgia fans who probably still holds him ill will over the Justin Fields thing toward from I get that but he sort of had that natural gravitational pull you know where people were just kind of drawn to him and I he think was only in Athens for three years that's true that's true that, that is another big factor to it yeah that's also true Aaron um, Murray, maybe who Aaron Murray yeah Aaron's probably up there as well but again 
he suffers. And, you know, I think I, I'm starting to think that maybe it's just a thing with quarterbacks. I mean, there are some people who are just going to hate the quarterback, uh, regardless of who the quarterback is, unless the quarterback wins a national title. And quite frankly, I don't even know if that'd be enough for the guy this year. If, uh, if, if Stetson were to hold on to the reins uh, to convert some people over. So uh, yeah, Jordan, uh, a special bond between him and the fans, it seems, I think, and, and really just, you know, him coming back this year, having a chance to test those NFL draft waters. It's just not something you see very commonplace anymore in, in college football. And, and he did it. And it was a really Neat thing to see. And, and um, you know, I'm glad that he kind of got his flowers, uh, as as they say, uh, while while he was still here, because he certainly deserved that. He certainly deserved that opportunity. And and hard for me to believe some of those guys that are walking in senior day. Channing Tindall, man, uh, just a guy I feel like I was covering yesterday. Kyrus Jackson, man. Uh, remember his commitment ceremony very well. Came down the came down the street, uh, hanging out the top of the uh, of the car, waving his arms and all that. There was a great big barbecue in his front yard. Uh, we had a good time down in Fort Valley that day. But um, you know, I I think that uh, yeah, you know, I didn't think about the COVID year, but that probably plays into it. Everybody ready to get back into the stadium. Um, but you know, you mentioned that they've had. Sure, I mean, three SEC East championships three appearances in a New Year's Six Bowl game with another one likely, um, you know, all but secured there, uh, you know, and and I mean, I think it's that continued success that that, that 2017 group was very special, uh, you know, and, and last year's group was special because they were a part of that. But, you know, that this group has been, you know, the, the, Georgia was back in 2017, but what really needed to happen was the continued success to show that, hey, this isn't just a blip on the radar. Georgia is here to stay, uh, like Kirby said, after that national championship loss. And I think that this senior class has been a big part of that because they come in right after that loss and, and with the you know pressure of keeping Georgia near the, at or near the top, and, and they've done that. That, that's another thing that stands out to me about this class that, that might make them so special. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, the maintaining of the standard as it were, um, you know, I think that that's probably how they'd phrase it. Um, you know, if you look around in the game, um, you know, it, it was senior day, but I, I don't feel like necessarily seniors got all the work. Certainly they didn't get even the bulk of the work. I would say, if you look on defense, uh, that was what I was kind of just perusing was the defensive stats, the leading six tacklers, uh, all freshmen. Um, so that's, uh, that's encouraging. That's what you want to see against Charleston Southern, right? Um, interesting to see, uh, you know, both quarterbacks get out there and get some work, uh, yesterday, uh, had a chance to see both of those guys. Um, you know, it wouldn't be dog walk talk if we didn't, talk about quarterbacks a little bit um so anything you saw out of those guys i mean look the pressure was not on them it wasn't like a situation where either guy had to go out there and win the game stetson throws the interception early in the game that's that created some hand wringing if you're following on uh on social media but overall uh anything you can i mean do you feel like there's even anything we can really take away from their quarter the quarterback play in this one not really. I mean, I mean, uh, like you said, the the early interception, uh, you know, had fans a little bit worried. I, I don't think that Georgia looked as sharp uh, early on as as you know some might have hoped, and and I think that that probably comes with a noon kickoff against an, an opponent that you're supposed to you know beat by fifty plus. Um, and if that was a mission, Georgia didn't do it, went in by forty nine. Um, but you know, 
albeit I, I think that there's just there's not a ton you can learn about the quarterbacks facing against uh you know going off against Charleston Southern um I think that you probably learned more about the or at least had the opportunity to learn more about some of these backup guys um the backup quarterbacks uh you know in Carson Beck and Brock Vandegriff um Brock throws one pass which you know, I, I had meant to bring it up. I can't remember if I did or not, uh, but would have set the line at one and a half uh, Vandegrift passes there, which felt like a pretty good line, um, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, with, with him not getting an opportunity to throw the ball, um, you know, kind of it's a tradition unlike any other with, with the Georgia freshman quarterback is hand the ball off. Um, just ask Justin Fields. Yeah. And, um I, you know, I think that there, you can learn some about Carson Beck. Um, I don't think that he looked great. I think that there's still um, a lot of questions there. And and if the Georgia quarterback room after this offseason looked like it was Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff, uh, you know, which, which I think a lot of people expected, uh, you know, after this season, you know, the, coming into the year, I think you thought JT is going to you know, be quarterback. He'll go pro Stetson is just there because he's, you know, still got eligibility and that you're going to look at, you're going to look to Brock Vandegrift and uh, you're going to look to Carson, Carson Beck, Carson Beck uh, and, and as well as Gunnar Stockton. Um, I, I think that you were in all likelihood, people thought that they were going to be looking at those three guys. Um, now, obviously things are a little bit different, but if that was the case, I think that there would be a really strong competition between those three guys this spring, uh, you know, to battle it out for the starting job. I think that you're probably going to see those three guys battling it out for the backup job unless, you know, somebody decides to leave before the spring based on the decisions of JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. Um, but you know, I, I think that there was a lot that you could learn about those backups and less as much about the starters, because you, like we've known, you know, we know what Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels can bring to the table. I think it's interesting. We really haven't seen the, the JT that we saw early in the season, the JT that fans got to know last year with them airing it out. And, and, you know, the South Carolina game comes to mind, the Vanderbilt game. We haven't seen that since he, he came back from injury. And, and whether that's because he hasn't been the starter and he hasn't been asked to do that uh, as much as he's been asked to do, you know, short check down type stuff, or whether that's, you know, indicative of what he's capable of um, post-injury, I don't know. Uh, but it certainly is interesting. And, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, in all likelihood, he'll probably get in the game next week against Georgia Tech and see what things look like there. I, I, I do think that it was good for him to work with these starters on offense uh, rather than working with, you know, the second string offensive line and, and the, you know, the receivers that aren't really in the rotation much. Um, I think that's good. And if you're uh, if you're in the boat of you want JT Daniels playing, that's a positive sign that he's getting those reps with the ones because, Quite frankly, in practice, what, what Kirby had told us is that he's getting more of the twos reps than he is ones. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Now, I, I want to throw this one at you because I, I feel like we've taken quarterback about as far as we could through the Charleston Southern game. Um, but while there may not have been too much that we could garner from those um, performances, is there anybody who stood out to you necessarily from 
any other perspective. I mean, any of these young guys who came in and again, you know, keeping in mind the opponent is who they are and, you know, the talent differential is what it is. You know, were there any of those guys who came in and kind of caught your eye with their performance yesterday outside of the quarterback room? And I'll, I'll say I'll open this to offense and defense, either one. Um, I'll, I'll take it to defense because, like you said, um, the top six leading tacklers on that side of the ball were true freshmen. I, I think Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to be a, a middle linebacker, inside linebacker uh, that Georgia can count on as early as next year. I think that with, and I mentioned it earlier in the week in, in the players to watch, I mentioned him there because you look at the turnover that you're likely going to see in that room uh, with, with Nicobe Dean likely headed to the NFL with, with Channing Tindall and Quay Walker likely headed to the NFL uh, or at least facing decisions on whether they want to come back for that extra year of eligibility or not. Um, I, I think Tindall is, Tindall is all but gone. Uh, Walker maybe, you know, has a little bit more to think about and whether he wants to come back and be, uh, you know, the guy. But I think that if he goes, he would easily get drafted. Um, so I think that you're looking at an inside linebacker room that, that's not going to be super experienced next year, which is, you know, different than what Georgia has seen in the last couple of years because you've been – you've seen guys like Tyndall and Walker be a part of it for several years now, just not the guy, the man fixture. Until this these last two years, they have been a big part of that, you know, that that core rotation. Uh, N'Kobe Dean was in the same boat where he was – a part of it as a freshman, but wasn't, uh, you know, necessarily the guy. And, and he worked his way into that role as a sophomore and junior. Now um, I, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think Jamon Dumas Johnson is certainly a guy smile Munden too. Um, you know, some, another guy that was up there uh, near the top of those leading tacklers. Um, those two really stand out to me. I think um, the other person that would stand out to me was Xavier Sori. Um, which I think was great for Georgia fans to see that. Um, it kind another... of felt, felt odd to me that, I mean, based on how he played yesterday, it felt odd that we haven't seen him more this season. You know, I, I'm no, I, I completely agree. And, and you've got to wonder if, if maybe there's been an injury or something that sure. we didn't know about that Kirby, you know, because he wasn't asked about it, wasn't going to tell about it. Um, you know, I, I think that that's certainly possible. Um, and, and that, you know, I, I think that, um, it, but it is interesting though, because of what you've seen from the in middle, excuse me, the outside linebackers, uh, and what you're seeing now with, with that depth being really tested, uh, you know, Robert Beal coming in, had a nice sack. Um, I, I think that it wouldn't, so it, part of me would be very surprised if, uh, Sori plays a big part in this stretch run because he's only played in two games up until yesterday. So he's now at three. He's got one more that he can play in without burning a red shirt. So part of me thinks that he's going to red shirt, but at the same time, like you said, uh, you know, based on the play that we saw yesterday, wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, if, if Georgia was in need of, there's a reason he travels, uh, you know, if, if Georgia was in need of an outside linebacker, I think that they would put him in there. I think that they feel confident in what Chaz Chambliss can do on special teams, but I think if they needed a true outside linebacker, they'd probably go to Sori over Chambliss. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, but it just feels that way, especially with you know how hard they recruited Sori, the, the, the talent that he was coming out of high school. That, that feels like 
you know, that could be going on behind the scenes. I can see that. I can see that. That makes sense to me. Um, you know, overall, like I said, look, it's Charleston Southern, right? I mean, you, you, knew, you could have probably predicted this one before the season started to some degree. Um, and good sign that it all played out like it should. Um, now you turn your attention to Georgia Tech and uh, the Yellow Jackets coming off a drubbing by the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, 55-0. We'll get, a little, we'll get more into that this week uh, later on in the next edition of Dog, uh, Dog Walk Talk. But, you know, let's call it what it is. Georgia sitting number one. Alabama looked a little bit more susceptible again uh, over the weekend. You know, it felt like Arkansas had them on the ropes there for a minute. Um, you know, Oregon Falls. Ohio State seems like a team that's really on fire right now. So uh, it's not like, the, you know, it's not like it's easy sledding out there necessarily. But, um, you know, Georgia, this is seven straight weeks of number one. Um, they've been number one every week in the college football playoff poll. Um, they're expected to, I, I mean, I, here's a fun one for you. What do you think the spread will open up for against Georgia Tech? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, forty-two and a half. Oof, man, they may not even list it if it's forty-two and a half. Uh, I mean, that's 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 huge. Yeah, I think that you're right. I mean, I think it's, I think you're definitely over, you're you're definitely over thirty-five. You're definitely, uh, you know, in that in those high thirties, low forty range. Uh, what was the what was the spread against Vanderbilt? Ooh. Uh, that one was like 30 something, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it made it quite to 40. I th- I think the Missouri spread's been the largest one of the 30 35 was the spread for Vanderbilt. Okay, so our, against Missouri it was like 37 or 38 and a half, wasn't it? It opened at 39 and a half. There you go. Okay, so uh, that's good. I think that's what's actually the interest. Can uh, will they top the largest spread of the season uh, against the uh, in-state rival uh, Yellow Jackets? You got to think perhaps maybe the uh, the home field advantage, if you want to call it that, in Atlanta will will help maybe them some with the spread. But it's going to be big. Um, and there's no question about that. So uh, you know Georgia. Smooth sledding till SEC championship. Um, Alabama locked in now. Um, it's a done deal. They will f- face the Crimson Tide. Um, you can go ahead and count on those that ticket price skyrocketing now. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess now that that's locked in, Palmer, um, just your quick thoughts on that. I mean, you know, we this is what we expect. I think that's what everybody expected was going to happen. Now we know it's what's going to happen. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel Georgia stacks up with uh, this Alabama team? You know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I haven't gotten to see a ton of Alabama this season just because they've played a lot of the same times or, you know, around the same time as Georgia. Um, you know, I think the game I probably got to watch the most, the, the couple of games that I got to watch the most of have been some of those early kickoffs for Georgia and late kickoffs for Alabama. Um, you know, the, the Tennessee game comes to mind there. I guess Georgia was on a bye that weekend, but mm-hmm. uh, so I got to see a decent bit of that. I saw the tail end of last night, uh, saw them play uh, Texas A&M, saw the tail end of that one. You know, it, it's an interesting matchup because I think that as much as um, 
as much as it is on the field, it, this is a this is a mental battle for Georgia, and I think it's just a something that they've got to get over uh, at some point. And, and if it's not going to be this year, you, you got to wonder when is it when is going to be the year? Um, because this is as talented as Georgia has been. This is maybe as susceptible as Alabama has been. Um, and, and it's not an upset. I mean, I saw the initial spread uh, on that one that was put out. I guess at that time it was still a hypothetical spread, but it was put out at like three and a half as a Georgia three and a half, um, which would be, I think it's the second time since 2010 that Alabama has been an underdog. You know, the other time. Mm, probably against Georgia. It was against Georgia. Yeah. Was the year? Which one? Was it 2015 against? Oh, was... God. I hope not, because they screwed the pooch if that was the case. I think it Boy, was... That 2015 game was a massacre, dude. I think it was. <laughs> wow. I could be wrong, but I think. No. It... no, no, no. I think that was, I think that may have been, oh, gosh, that may have been 08. Um, I believe that was Georgia Alabama 08. I believe that was Georgia's follow up blackout game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, let me see. Yeah, that was the 20. Yes, 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 yes. So that's the game. That's the game that I look back on as really a big springboard for, for uh, uh, Alabama that year. But yeah, 08. Um, that was uh, uh, 41. Nope. No, is that not the one? 2015, they were a one-point underdog at Georgia. Oh my God, man! The the uh, the the, that, the that, odds makers were the odds makers did, did not do their homework for that one because it was easy for any of being favored in 72 straight games that dated from the 29 excuse me the 20, 2009 SEC title game against Tim Tebow's Florida uh, up until that 2015 game. So wow, yeah, um, just. It, it, which which says a lot more about Alabama than it does any of the opponents that they've played because they've sure. played some really great teams. I mean that the fact that the that they weren't an underdog against LSU in 2019 says a lot about the, what Alabama was capable of. I mean, yeah. same goes for the 2018 national championship game that they lost. Um, you know, says a lot out as out about Alabama to be a favorite as the four seed going against a higher rated Georgia team that had won the SEC championship in 2017. Um, you know, to, to be a favorite in, in both those SEC or in the SEC championship game against them in 2018 as well. Um, don't, you know, don't, I think, don't, get, don't get too excited here because you're going to give away our whole podcast for the lead up to SEC, the SEC uh, championship. There, there will be plenty there. There'll be plenty. <laughs> um, sure, we'll do a crossover show with, with BCS. Um, you know, a lot, lot to talk about there. Um, you know, I, I, one thing I did, we, we did forget to mention here with this Charleston Southern game, and, and it also relates to the Alabama game, uh, you know, and, and these Georgia Tech as well. Couple Georgia receivers coming back. Uh, Dominic Blulock yeah. making his appearance on the field again for the first time since 2019 SEC championship game against LSU. Tore his ACL in that game. Re-injured his knee uh, prior to the 2020 season. Uh, you know, ha- has been battling. Has been cleared of the knee, but has been battling hamstring issues that that came from you know, trying to in the rehab process of the knee. He's been battling that, was back on the field, had two catches for, uh, I believe it was for 11 yards. Yep. 
uh, had a catch for 10 yards, which was, you know, really, really felt really good to see Dom back on the field because, you know, you know, you've got to feel for a kid that has had that success early in his career, you know, looked like the stars were aligning for him to be, you know, maybe three and out at, at Georgia, um, you know, and, and that he was going to be a big part of what Georgia's offense was under, uh, you know, Todd Munkin in, in 2020, um, you know, getting him back. And so, you know, got to feel for the kid uh, in, in the way that he has battled injuries. Um, but like I said, great to see him back on the field. Also had two punt returns um, as well as George Pickens. George Pickens was back in uniform. Uh, first time that he has dressed out since his ACL injury, um, did not play, went through warmups. Um, I, I think that the way I see it is that, and we asked Kirby about it after the game. He said that George is still not cleared, um, that George has, you know, a bunch of tests that he does that he's got to, um, got, got to pass in order to be fully cleared. And, and at that point, they're hopeful that they can get him back. But until he passes those tests, that there's not much that they can do about it. Um, but to me, you know, which begs the question, why dress him if he's not going to play? Well, because you can go out there and you can have him warm up and get his, you know, essentially a practice in ahead of the game, running routes, uh, you know, at full speed or, or as, you know, as 100% as he can be uh, working those with those quarterbacks and such. Um, it also going as it relates to the Alabama game, let's say George doesn't play before that game. Just the fact that he's been dressed out yeah. means that Alabama has to put, put some time and effort into George Pickens. Yes. You get, he deserve he demands the respect of a, of a defensive backfield. And, and so, you know, you've got to, maybe it was just Kirby, you know, creating, setting up a decoy there, you know, he can get in the game and, and be a decoy, even if he's not 100%, um, you know, because after that game, you've essentially got four weeks to get him up to speed to playing speed to, to you know, to throw him out there in the playoff game uh, should Georgia be in that. But, you know, to me, what what would you say about that, Jake? Because to me, I think that whether or not he plays, I think that, uh, you know, it, it certainly sets up a scenario where Alabama's having to dedicate some time to him, which means less time to the other guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think that that's, I think that's been Kirby's master plan all along. You, you march him out there and re- whether or not he's good to go or whether or not he's going to make an impact, doesn't matter. It, the, the fact of the matter is, you know that when the kid is on the field, you're going to have to account for him. And maybe he won't see the field, but the second you think that, they're going to march him out there. They're going to figure out a way to do it. I mean, I, I really think that that's the case. And you can't be – Alabama's not going to be caught unaware for anybody. That, that's just not who they are. That's not how they're coached. So it's not a situation they are they are going to plan for George Pickens. They are going to spend some time game planning for George Pickens. They have to do it. Um, Kirby is from the Saban school. This is a some this is a Saban move, um, and and kudos to him for doing it. I, I think, but overall, um, you know, it feels like. Uh, I, fingers crossed, right, that he, he gets a chance to get back. I think everybody would love to see that, um, you know, in this season. You probably couldn't imagine having this season without George Pickens, and yet somehow you found yourself in that position. Um, but overall, I, I think it's a um, 
yeah, I mean, I think at this point it's it's just something else for everybody to have to plan for, as if there weren't already enough between this defense and you know what the the offense has been doing as well. So, um, I think he plays against Georgia Tech. I don't know. I hope if they, if he, I will say this: if he does, I hope they got that pad and a little thicker on the walls in case he throws anybody through that again. So, um, but he, so let's say he doesn't play against Georgia Tech. It, you know, I do, I do, I think, I think he's bound to play. I think he's going to play once more before he leaves uh, Georgia uniform. I do think he's on that pace. I think he, it. It yes, seems like it's all been leading up to I that. Mean, I mean, let's say he doesn't play against Tech. You Like we said, you can throw him out there, and he demands that respect uh, just because of what he's done when he has been on the field. Um, you know. He's going to draw coverage. I mean, you can't. You, you, you can't leave him against Alabama. Yeah, exactly. You can't leave him uncovered. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. So, do you think he plays against Alabama? Yeah, I do. I like I said, I think he plays once. I think he plays at least one more time before he's before the this season is over. I think that I think that he gets a, an opportunity to get back out there and do it one one more time. So you, so you don't think that's just the playoff? You, do, I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking here is, do you think, let's say he doesn't play against Georgia Tech and they're saving him for the SEC championship game. Yeah. Do you think they are saving him for the SEC championship or do you think that they're saving him for the playoffs? I'm going to lean toward, I'm going to lean toward the SEC championship. I feel like Georgia's in the playoff probably regardless of what happens, but I think Kirby is wise enough to understand that there is no guarantees with such a thing like that. And so if you're going to play him, you got to play him in the SEC championship because quite frankly, you, like I said, all signs point that way. That's just not the way it always works out. Right. So um, yeah, I think, I think you do get a dose of George Pickens uh, before the playoff as it were, uh, or the bowl game, whatever happens with that situation. Well, I can tell you George is in a bowl game. He's not playing. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I agree with that completely. <laughs> he's uh, he's going to go somewhere and sip my ties and uh, work on his uh, work on his 40 time while he preps for the NFL combine. Um, but we'll have a full preview of Georgia Tech coming up later this week. Don't uh, make sure you don't miss that um, and make sure you get in and check it out. Uh, if you haven't, get over to Dogs HQ. Uh, check everything out over there on the site. We would appreciate that as well. Uh, uh, big week coming up, even though it's Thanksgiving. We got all the regular, uh, all the regular pieces coming. Um, if assuming we can track down some film on Georgia Charleston Southern, if that exists somewhere on the internet, uh, we should have our film review with John Rick. Be fun to see what he even he can take away from this one. I'd be I'm interested to see what the coaches' eyes tell us. But um, I think that's it for me this week. Palm, you got anything else, buddy? Quick thoughts on Dan Mullen getting canned. Uh, and and I guess you know as, since we're a Georgia podcast, how does it relate to Georgia on the recruiting front? Hard not to do it. I think that they were in a situation they had to um, make sense to me that you would do it um, after Missouri. Uh, it just things were not moving in the right direction. The recruiting's falling apart um, right now. I think last I checked, and uh, they had about twelve commits. Whoever gets in there has a absolute. Uh, at at Lacian task, uh, you know, pushing the boulder up the hill only for it to fall back down on them again when it comes to this recruiting cycle, because it's going to be tough, man. Um, 
when you're talking about Georgia recruiting, you know, if I'm Georgia, I'm taking a look at some of those receivers. Georgia's receiving, I think Georgia has not done as well in the receiver room this year when you're talking about recruiting. So they've got a couple guys over there that I'd take a look at. Um, Jaden Gibson Gibson is a guy. Jamarian Burt was a guy, Um, you know, uh, but really the real gems to me are what's on the roster. And that's, I, uh, I tweeted out the vultures kind of going over the the roster. And I, I, I mean, listen, if you can get, if you can get uh, Javon Dexter to, answer a phone call from you get that man in somewhere now tomorrow do it i that the kid's a game changer he's excellent um you know somebody on twitter said you know those players got him fired yes to a degree uh you know some it, it but that doesn't mean there's not talent at florida there are some pieces at florida that can play anywhere in the country so um that to me is the interesting aspect you know georgia and everybody else will go pick over the bones of of the both the current roster and uh the recruiting class but um you know wide, wide gap in the SEC East right now. Um, I mean, everybody, it feels like two, three years away, Kentucky, probably the closest, um, Tennessee, maybe right behind that shout out to Shane Beamer for getting them uh Gamecocks bowl eligible as well. Um, that was a, a big win for those guys. Um, but you know, just insane turnover in the SEC and, uh, you know, Dan Mullen, uh, the latest victim, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird that we won't have Dan Mullen to to you know kick around and, and make Randy Quaid references at, but uh, certainly we'll uh, we'll adjust. And uh, I, I really look forward to seeing who Florida is going to make the, uh, get this hire uh, because this is a big hire for them. Um, this is you're going to put yourself in a Tennessee situation if you screw this one up, and uh, you're going to be back even further than you are. And so uh, they can't really afford to do that. Um, so uh, any uh, any early clubhouse leaders, in your opinion, Paul? No, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting to see um, some of the names that they, you know, pursue, uh, you know, and, and I don't know that it relates to Georgia's coaching staff, but, you know, Dan Mullen is, is certainly, excuse me, Dan Lanning is certainly, uh, you know, a, a head coaching candidate after this season. I don't know that he would be, you know, a shoe in for Florida. I think that you're probably looking at somebody that, that has more coaching experience, but what about Will Muschamp? He's a guy who has a lot of coaching experience. <laughs> I know the Gainesville area pretty well, <laughs> but, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I think as the dominoes fall, um, you know, that's where the impact comes for Georgia. Um, you know, in, in terms of their coaching staff, um, I was, you know, making a joke to someone earlier that their last four coaching hires have all been uh, last name starts with an M, Meyer, mm. Muschamp, uh, McElwain, and Mullen, Todd Munkin. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I, I'm not going to go that far just yet. I, 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 I'm uh, either, um, but, you know, just, just certainly going to be interesting to see because, you know, as, as much as this is not, you know, a, a Florida podcast. This is a you know Georgia podcast. Who Florida hires has a direct impact on how Georgia football will look over the next couple of years because you're going to see them every season down in Jacksonville. You're going to be going up against whoever that is on the recruiting trail. It, it's certainly interesting um, because you know it, it, it has an impact uh, and 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 you know for Georgia, 
Um, and a lot of the times the East is won by, you know, the, the, the East is decided by that result down in Jacksonville a lot of times. I mean, it's been the last, uh, you know, couple of years, the winner of that game has won that game. Uh, excuse me, the winner of that game has won the division. Um, I think the last time that it wasn't Georgia or Florida that won it was 20, who won it in 2016? I think Florida did. I believe that's correct. Um, uh, I'll tell you this, the two names that I think should should scare Georgia fans the most, Lane Kiffin, I think, would, would do a, an incredible job there. I think that there are a lot of playmakers in the state of Florida that would align well with his system. And uh, Dave Aranda is a guy who I, I just love personally. I, I think I think it's just a hell of a coach and um, a guy that anybody would do well to hire. Um, so, um, 2014 was the last time that, that the SEC champion was not Georgia or Florida. Was it Missouri? It was Missouri. Yeah. Um, I, 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 those are the two guys that stand out to me. I did propose this trade to somebody the other day, three-way swap. Uh, Florida gets James Franklin. Iowa State gets Dan Mullen. Penn State gets Matt Campbell. I think that's a good fit for all parties. Uh, it's not a terrible fit. James Franklin back into the SEC. Um, you know, I think he, I think he's got some frustration with the admin at Penn State. You know, I don't think that maybe necessarily he feels he's getting, you know, everything Ohio State's getting in terms of facilities and in terms of support and, and, and those kind of things. And I think that, you know, that's such fertile recruiting ground. You know, it would I think it would depend on it's going to depend on what Florida wants to do. Do they want to move in the direction of a, you know, a young, fresh face, a proven, tested guy, uh, you know, do you take a chance on somebody? I just don't know. I don't have a good feel on it. Um, but I'll tell you this, it, to call Florida anything less than one of the premier jobs in the country is to underestimate what they have available. Well, um, and, and there's several premier jobs open. I mean, yes. yeah, USC, LSU, Florida. Yep. I mean, these are programs that USC was in the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl in back-to-back seasons in, in 2016 and 2017. Uh, you know, in, um, in LSU obviously won the national championship and was in a New Year's Six Bowl the year before that. Florida has been in New Year's Six Bowls the last, what, three years maybe? Yeah. Two or three years. Um, certainly last year and the year before. Uh, and so – you know, I think it's um, I, it's it, it just goes to show, uh, you know, the world of college football that, that we're looking at now where you don't have a ton of time and, and recruiting is paramount in, in, you know, being able to have some early success. You've got to be able to recruit well in order to play well. Kirby has said it. The players win games. Coaches don't win games. You've got to have good players. A, a good coach is, is nothing without good players. Yep. No, no question about it. So definitely one we'll keep an eye on. And uh, like you said, going to be interesting to see how that affects recruiting for sure. Uh, moving forward. All right. We're going to wrap this one up, folks. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Dog Walk Talk. Make sure to get over and check us out at Dog HQ. And we will see you later on.